Charmed Life, a radio show discussing spirituality, magic, and the unconditional love of the universe. Thanks for tuning in. And I'm your host, Trisha Carr. Thank you for being here with me today. What a gorgeous day it is where I am. And I wish that gorgeous experience into your life in this moment, whenever, however you are joining me today. And I would like to remind you how you can join me on YouTube. That is uh, youtube.com slash Trisha Carr. We live stream this broadcast every Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific. You can actually join us, watch. You can communicate on the on the comment stream with other people. You can sometimes probably see trolls on there. <laughs> you can <laughs> just love them. Just love the trolls. They're just showing you the places where they need some extra love. And that's why you're here is because you want some love and you want to shine that love into the universe. So thank you so much for your work and also you can uh, listen to us all the archives on um, uh, iTunes iHeartRadio any way that you get your podcast I would love to encourage you to like subscribe share comment and uh, because that will just add to that thing called an algorithm which is really just a model of the non-physical experience of combining our light which expands exponentially when we do that so thank you so much for co-creating this experience with me I want to share with you also that I do have workshops coming Coming up every month, the one that is coming up this month, uh, which is April of 2019, it is on connecting with the multidimensionality of your spirit guide team. So this is an experience of journeying as well as lecture and question and answer. You can join me live in my studio in Los Angeles, specifically Burbank, California, or you can live stream it. So go check it out on my website, the uh, just trishacarcharm.com. And if you go to Mystic Arts Academy, you'll be able to see all of the upcoming live classes as well as those that are available on demand. And of course, to remind you that I have twice per month my intuitive mediumship development class again you can access that in person or online that one is limited because we do a lot of personal coaching a lot of one-on-one coaching and practicing okay having said all of that i'm really excited for today's episode i have a lovely lovely spirit in this studio today she has a diploma in clinical hypnotherapy with honors from hmi college she's a certified therapeutic imagery hypnosis for immune disorders past life regression hypnosis in labor and childbirth. It's so much. I, I want to say all of it, though. <laughs> I want to say all of it. Smoking cessation, weight loss, healing with healing the child within, EFT, which I love, EFT and tapping, trauma recovery, recovery, body syndrome derived from psychosomatic medicine, and fears and anxieties. Oh, my gosh. So she just can help you with everything that's, that's messing you up. <laughs> she also has studied various energy healing modalities such as Reiki, chakra alignment, uh, clearing energy blocks, and key balancing. So her name is Desi Ivanova. Welcome to the studio. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for coming. I'm so I'm so excited to start a friendship with you too. Desi and I just met fairly recently uh, by my who's been on the show, um, David Gandelman, who has a, a podcast called Energy Matters and a new podcast called Grounded Sleep with David Gandelman. So go check out David's work He's just amazing. to give him a plug. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> He's like everyone's new best friend yeah. when you meet him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and when you listen to him, he just yes. kind of becomes his voice is amazing. Lovely, yes, his spirit. Uh, But you and your spirit and the work that you're doing, um, I I just find it so fascinating. I really love the. I use uh, the model of hypnosis in my teaching as well because, you know, meditation is hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I help people to open up 
in the same way that you do to access that subconscious mind to open up their that um, spiritual aspect of themselves and manifest it into their lives or mm-hmm. their intuitive abilities bypass that conscious mind that we seem to be addicted to mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, actually would you mind telling everyone like what is your journey with this how did you get into this work uh, so well um all my initial degrees were all in acting, right? So right. I'm an actor. Yeah. I have a bachelor's in theater and a, and a master's in film. So for me, it was always about the human psyche, understanding mm-hmm. people, understanding humanity. Even when I got a character, I never, I never judged a character. I always found them fascinating. Beautiful. Um, for, you know, I thought, wow, like what may, what drives people? You know, what I, 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 that's why I loved being an actor because I get to walk in someone's shoes for that brief amount of time and just do some research. Um, and it just made me feel uh, like it, it reduces that that illusion of of separation. Yeah, right? it kind of makes you expand and, and and be everybody at the same time. So um, that was always fascinating to me. And then I also come from a family of doctors, so mm. a lot of mm. healers that was shown to me growing up. And uh, one day when I decided that I have another calling, I thought, well, there's something missing. Like I, I do love my acting and I write and and all that, but I feel like there's something else. And uh, I literally, I said, universe, show me. And then suddenly I started meeting, first, first uh, I started meeting people that had been to hypnosis, even my friends, like, oh, I just had, you know, some hypnotherapy done. And I was like, what is that? I, had, <laughs> I hadn't even heard of it. Like, and that was four years ago. And oh, that's like, amazing. So four yeah, years ago. Yeah, four yeah. years ago. I was, they were like, oh, I was like, oh, okay. And then little by little, it became just so frequent. Mm. All of a sudden, like everybody I was meeting was a hypnotherapist. I'm like, what? Is, is that like a new trend? Or? <laughs> or like, no, just like the last 200 years. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. In Western culture. And then I started researching and I was like, oh, that's been on for quite some time. Yeah. And um and I think it got popularized in America in the 80s, you know. It was, um, it, it's even in the, yes, it started in the 60s and 70s, yeah. but it got really popular, popular in the 80s. 80s. That's yeah. what I saw, mm-hmm. yeah. So I was like, okay, so it's not new. So I started getting the hints. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right. And then I finally met uh, a close, you know, a f- my fr- my friend's girlfriend at the time, who was the closest resource I could talk to. And I woke up one morning with this voice in my head, you need to become a hypnotherapist. And I Whoa. just jumped up on bed and I'm like, all right, who do I call? And they said, call Raquel, um, who is a wonderful, lovely hypnotherapist. So she, I, I immediately like just texted her. I said, hey, I would love to chat to you and pick your brains about hypnosis. And she directed me to HMI, uh, which is, the, you know, the college in Tarzana. Amazing. I took some free classes. You can take free classes. Oh, I nice. experienced it. It felt like Hogwarts. Yeah. Like you go there so much. As, it just, it was fascinating. I did energy healing um, it was like a free class in energy healing, and that's the first one I took. And I was like, yes. So I immediately signed up, and I and I started. What, tell us who Raquel. What is her last name, so we can give her a plug too? Oh yes, so Raquel Barant. Barantes. Okay, great. Yes. Yeah. So she does. Uh, she works with it. She's she's a hypnotherapist as well. Wonderful. Yes. So find Raquel. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she's find Raquel. Inspiration to Desi. Absolutely. And what is HMI? What is the acronym or the initialism of HMI? What's the full name of that? So college? it's a Hypnosis uh, Motivation Institute. Is it only an institute that is taken locally, or can people take it online? And no, they can take it online Perfect. and internationally as well. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yes. Okay, great. We have a whole international department. I love that. And so I just, there's something about that phenomenon. Like you said, like hypnotherapy and hypnosis is, is a, is a generally speaking universally pretty ubiquitous, but it was almost like you hadn't heard of it. It was like you hid it from yourself so you could have this powerful 
ex- awakening right. experience to it. Yes. I've experienced that as well before. And it's so strange how that, you know what I mean? Like, how did I not align with that or just even hear it? Mm-hmm. But there's something about like a reason that you keep the filter on it for a while until you're like ready. Yes, yes. Isn't that fascinating? So. Absolutely. So yeah. I just wanted to highlight that because I feel like sometimes people think that the the reason they haven't heard about it is because they're dumb or you oh, know no. they're not ready or they're not good enough but move past that if, if you have that i think it's a it's some it's a device that we experience between our higher self and this physical experience for a really exciting kind of journey exactly yes absolutely so you went to hmi and that's so you you have a family of doctors but it sounds like you having a relationship with you already with your subconscious mind or with your higher self being able to speak to the universe as you were saying yes so how were you set up for that in your belief system to be an allowance of that so openly I think, you know, since I was uh, since I was a little girl, I always had those experiences. I mm-hmm. always had a lot of dreams. Uh, I would I would have I would have like somebody whisper, wake up, your alarm's not going to go off. So oh. it's it's already, you know, 6.05 and I'd wake up and that would be the time. I even had like a little fairy. I remember, I still remember that in, in grade seven, a little fairy show me everything that's going to come on my geography test. Oh, I just got <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was we haven't talked just... about fairies before, but I almost at the beginning of the broadcast said something about you know, like your fairy energy. <laughs> oh, I was like, I don't know. If she, I haven't actually like connected with her if she actually has a you know allowance of that experience. <laughs> I do. You know, yeah. No, I'm completely open to whatever. Uh-huh. And and to me, it's like whether it's you know, I believe whether it's a human way to mm-hmm. you know to make it part of the human experience. Whatever these energies are, I don't know if they really exist as a fairy, but it's a fairy energy. Right. You know, it's all these energies. That it's the way we experience it. Yes, exactly. The way uh, humans do. Right. It's um. You know, and I because I work with. Uh, the concepts of like archangels and all of that and yes of course like if they're truly are benevolent if those Mm -hmm. are benevolent energies the friggin labels and the portals that we use for them don't matter but it is there's also something that is very uh, comforting and Mm -hmm. encouraging about that collective common experience like you experienced a fairy when you were a kid i experienced fairies as Mm -hmm. well and so we can come together on that but that's still we're meant to be the meta to that experience exactly. even, you I know, they don't, otherwise it becomes dogma, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, I agree. And it you. limits. So, um, okay, so you've always been, you've already had, and, and I guess perhaps either you were immune to conditioning that sort of help, that asks us to shut that kind of stuff down to mm-hmm. some degree, or I mean, there's always awakening, there's always conditioning and then awakening no mm-hmm. matter what. But um, you, so then you moved into your work and that, like you said, only four years ago that you started yeah. the school. That, that was interesting. Three years ago, I started the school. Four years, wow. few years ago, my interest was awakened. And then Amazing. Yeah, three years, I started the school. All of the preparation you did, though, before that, just... Absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah. again, I wanted to highlight that because if you are standing at the crossroads of wanting, a feeling like, I want to shift, I want to do something that's more in alignment with what I truly feel, like mm-hmm. my my real, my home frequency, that time becomes completely subservient to mm-hmm. it. It becomes an aspect of that. It is an aspect. It is a property of your higher mm-hmm. purpose and activity. Absolutely, yeah. and things just really aligned so quickly for me. The moment I tapped into it, it was just mm-hmm. like it's just started coming. And you know, similar was with with my acting to start with. I was you know, but this one was so much more powerful. It was just happened time really. That was just in, instantly. Yes. everything was just coming at me. That's ah, so, so cool. I actually have a background in acting too. As an act, actor, oh. as a child, all the way up. Let's see. I I kind of stopped. Uh, around my early 20s and then I kind of started a little bit again around my late 20s and early 30s what? 
Yeah. <laughs> and then and then when after I had like my awakening such that it is in this metaphysical sense and I was like, "Oh, maybe I maybe I'm interested in acting again." And I went back and I kind of wasn't interested anymore. Right? Yeah, cuz you fulfilled the need. Yes, that, yeah. The yeah, thing acting. that it was drawing me to. Yeah. And I still love it and it's still a part mm-hmm. of my experience, but it what I was experiencing as an actor, the reason I had such a draw to it was a similar is because of the channeling aspect of exactly it. Right. The the aspect of the human psyche and the human experience and the poetry of all of that. Mm-hmm. So I so how has acting shifted since you've come into this work? You know, now it's shifted to a point like I still love it. Mm-hmm. I actually find that I love to create more. Mm-hmm. I like to make more and more of my projects. Totally. My and that's, stuff. I think that was what I started to feel when I went back and just, te- I just went to a class, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I was like, mm, this feels limiting, this yeah. text and this this character. And not, the, but there is no character. They're just, a, you know, they're a, a snapshot of any particular human. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that was just how it, like that shoe felt too tight for me. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't, I can't really, I can't be on projects that I don't align with. Yes. Like if the message doesn't align with me, I just, I can't be, I physically cannot put myself there. So this, yeah. I find myself sort of not going on many auditions just because I'm like, oh, it's just not I don't want to feel that. So I don't want, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just not for me. Like, it's yeah. not the stories that I want to tell. Yes. So I still feel like I have so many stories to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's part of healing too, you know, mm. storytellers. Like my father's doctor, he used to always say, referring to, to my acting said well I'm a healer of the body and you're a healer of the soul mm. and I feel that that sort of transcended even in the in the hypnosis you know? wow oh I love your father what a beautiful yes. <laughs> I love him too <laughs> and so you are then creating your own projects you are writing and and um, producing and directing along I those don't lines? direct I, I produce mm-hmm. I direct for theater okay. but in film it's mainly my my boyfriend my partner he's a, he's a, he's a director and other friends that I have I usually you know, take people on board to, to fulfill my vision. Maybe one day, you know, maybe one It's day. just a whole different skill set. Yeah. yeah it's it, As um, to whether you're excited about it, who knows? Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's see what the future brings. But as long as the stories that I write are being put out there, that's mm-hmm. important to me. My husband actually had, he, he gave me a really interesting, he's a, he's a film composer. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about um, James Franco, actually. There's a, a TV, uh, an original uh, Hulu TV series right now called mm-hmm. Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. I love that. Are you yeah, watching yes, it? Yeah, I've I just it, yeah. watched the first episode, which is an hour and a half long, so it was mm-hmm. really like three episodes. And uh, I came across it, and I I said to, and it's about. I read the description. It's like James Franco, who I think is great, and it's like he finds a time portal. I'm like, check in, you know, yes, <laughs> yes. definitely into that. And I said to my husband, I was like, do you think? What do you think about this? Like, what's your feel or your read about that? And he's like, well. If James is is directing it, if he wrote and directed it, I don't know. But if someone else did, <laughs> I think he's a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, I was asking him like why he thinks it is because he thinks James Franco is one is an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. And he said, I think because he is so versatile as an actor and has like that versatility and that broad kind of expanded experience actually. Right now, at least, does isn't translating to director because directors tend to have a really narrow language. And he's like, just think about it. What is what is you know Spielberg and um, I can't think of any other directors right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's a Spielberg project. So you know he's like they all have a specific language and you mm-hmm. know what they feel like. And James is kind of like more expanded than that. Yeah. As to whether yeah. he develops a language of his own too, that is possible. You have both skill sets. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a good really point. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. We're on a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love to talk about art and creativity <laughs> yeah. too, and how it well, functions. It's all part of it. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, yes, and that is, I think that's a good segue into actually how hypnosis works or hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the, is there really any distinction between hypnosis and hypnotherapy? I guess hypnosis is an experience. Hypnotherapy is a job. Yeah, hypnotherapy, mm-hmm. they, they refer to as clinical hypnotherapy, mm-hmm. just to sort of distinguish it between the stage hypnosis that, yes, that occurs, yes, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, versus hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. So people can know that, oh, okay, this can actually help me. It's a form of therapy that, mm-hmm. you know, I can shift and change my subconscious mind. Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting talking about the 80s when hypnosis became, you know, more popular or more sought after in some ways mm-hmm. for things like losing weight and, and quitting smoking tend to be the top two things mm-hmm. people think of hypnosis associated with. But also that stage hypnosis thing. And I was actually watching, it's a documentary about this person called The Amazing Randy, who was this this skeptic of He's a, he was actually a magician, but a skeptic of psychics and had kind of this big career against psychics and trying to dispel the myths of psychics. Mm. And the big focal point in the 80s was about spoon bending. And I was like, why? Why is everyone so fascinated with spoon bending in the 80s? And so the stage hypnosis is the same kind of thing. It's something about that fascination was about wanting to be rescued, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the, I think, the misconception about hypnosis and hypnotherapy yeah. is that you somehow are possessed almost, whether it's a, a fear or a fascination with it. And so I think that's that's something you can explain, well, right? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so in <laughs> make hypnosis... You, make you balk like a chicken and all that kind of <laughs> right. stuff. And so it's possible. And you know yeah. why? Because we divide people, uh, we call something... Uh, we, we have a term called suggestibility, which yes. is how you take in information. Mm-hmm. So if you we have physical suggestibles, emotional suggestibles, and you have the one in between, which is a somnambulist. Mm-hmm. So the emotional suggestible, and that's uh, based on uh, uh, your primary caregiver, so your mother in a traditional family, perhaps not, you know. But your primary caregiver, if your primary caregiver was very direct with you, mm-hmm. uh, if they were like, okay, uh, you, you, dinner is at seven, then once you've watched dinner, you can go watch cartoons till eight and then you have to be in bed and they follow through mm-hmm. you become a very uh, direct suggestive become a you actually you become a physical suggestible mm-hmm. you take information very directly so whatever i say to you you'll kind of take it literally right? right right and there's variations of that but mostly people tend to take information very directly and then they speak very metaphorically mm-hmm. uh the opposite is the emotional suggestible which they're very analytical because they usually had a primary caregiver their mother that was quite ambiguous they couldn't quite tell you know she could be saying one thing but then doing something else you know if mum was saying like okay whatever you know dinner's at seven but then she doesn't care if you know you came late and yeah so you learn to read between the lines or perhaps mum was very emotional and you weren't sure when she was angry you know she'd say one thing but then she'd be upset about you know mm-hmm. so if mum was a bit more um you know, uh, she's loose with loose her, exactly yeah. spoken metaphors. Then mm-hmm. you you'll learn to read between lines. You become a very analytical type of person. So you become an emotional suggestible. Now, if you look at the both, uh, the emotional who always reads between the lines, it's very difficult to hypnotize them. And up until I think the sixties, they were thought to be unhypnotized, uh, unhypnotizable because right. they were just you know. Um, whereas the physical, they take suggestions directly. Mm-hmm. And then somnambulist is someone in between. Mm-hmm. Um, it's people that you would, you might even notice their eyes. They're slightly, you know, those airy-fairy people that are slightly like, oh, my God, they're kind of fascinated by everything around them. And yeah. and, and they're like, oh, yeah. And then they're onto this experience. And you tell them something, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll be, you know, they just kind of like have that, that childlike quality about them. They're the most 
hypnotizable people. Right. So when a hypnotist, a stage hypnotist, asks certain questions and there's tricks, I'm not going to give them away. <laughs> but you can tell in the audience, okay, yeah. who's a direct suggestible yeah. and who's a sonambulist? And you're going to pick those. And mainly you're going to pick the sonambulist because, you know, whatever you put in their head, they're excited to, to right. do it. They right. want to please. They want to be part of it. You'll never pick an emotional suggestible because they will analyze everything. They'll yeah. Never, They'll just know. be like, you can't do this to me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So they, they pick the, the sonambulist and the, the direct suggestibles so i think that i am between physical and sonambulist and Could be yeah mm-hmm. and i did the which we're going to talk well, about that in a moment. is uh, yeah in a moment we'll talk about we're talking now we're talking about suggestibility which yes. is how you take in information and mm-hmm. then i want to uh, touch on the topic of sexuality which is behavior and it's mm-hmm. how you behave in relationships right not not like heterosexual homosexual it's about your your sexual relationships, your partnerships, partnerships basically. exactly. Yes. yes, how you behave. But those um, sound very directly related, as what I've been researching about the sexual, the emotional, and physical sexual. So, just again to recap, when we say when you say emotional, it's interesting because the affect is more analytical. Exactly, it's not. It's less physical as the affect. How it because of the what it's what you're responding to. So mm-hmm. you're actually responding to the experience of having like trying to counterbalance the emotional aspect. So if, if your mother was more of an emotional, let's say, free spirit, mm-hmm. then you respond to that by becoming an emotional, but that looks like analytical. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And yes. so then the converse for exactly. the other side. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so, that was a theory developed by Dr. Kappas, the founder of, of the school of HMI. Yes. Um, and he developed, you know, with suggestibility. Suggestibility, how you take in information, helps us a lot with clients because, you know, if I get somebody who's an emotional suggestible, meaning quite analytical, then I know exactly the 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 hypnosis I'm going to create for them in order to bypass their critical mind and go into their subconscious yes. and help them. Right. Uh, because even though they're consciously saying, yes, please help me, that the subconscious is still, you know, being still prodding you and they're still not believing you. So right. it's dif- there's different methods to get to their subconscious mind. They're kind of saying, I mean, if you think about the inner child, it's like, I don't know if I trust you. And mm-hmm. the reason, because they're speaking, we're always speaking to our mother, who that primary caregiver is. Exactly. Mom said dinner was at seven, but she didn't really mean it. And so exactly. I had to do that. So are you going to tell me that we're going to do this and you're right. not going to do it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's what got. And so all that subconscious work mm-hmm. that is not consciously present, but yeah. underneath that's all happening. And the way that we got to kind of get in the blended areas of that is, for, for example, I'm thinking of my mother and I'm also thinking of my mother-in-law, uh, you know, how she worked with my husband. And I feel like my mother was probably... My mother was less structured, but sometimes would become very structured, like mm-hmm. a couple, mm-hmm. you know, for a certain amount of time. And then same thing with, but my husband on uh, is like, again, the opposite. She was mostly structured, mm-hmm. but then sometimes would kind of be like, <laughs> not. Yeah. So I think we both, if I, I haven't asked my husband yet to take the relationship uh, test. test that mm-hmm. we're about to discuss, but I'll bet that we're kind of just just the opposite a little bit you know yeah. just you know just mirrors of one another yeah you, you tend to find a, a partner that's kind of that balance that's, yeah to balance you out right mm-hmm. all right so okay we're t- so the suggestibility factor but we with the folks who are um let's say the emotional type therefore affect of that would be the analytical type you mm-hmm. still can work with them is it a it's a different kind of experience there's a different set of 
techniques or skills? Yes, there's mm-hmm. just a different set of techniques. You also want to speak uh, the scripts that you create for them should be more metaphorical. Mm. So the, uh, they're the ones that I would use a lot of guided imagery for. So Got I'm it. not directly, you know, because if I told them directly, if somebody came and they want to be more confident, mm-hmm. first of all, they're not going to respond if I if I directly suggested, okay, and now you are more confident. Like, <laughs> they'd be like, no, that's I'm exactly not. what I'm not. <laughs> You're you know? just phoning it in, mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, I mean, not mom. I mean, therapist. <laughs> right. So you want to be, you, you, got, you have to use metaphors. Yeah. You have to like slowly guide them there so that they come up to their own conclusions. Like they make, like they have made the decision. Right. Okay. So this is, so De- uh, you teach at Den Meditation in both Studio City and La Brea. That is a meditation studio and uh, here in Los Angeles. They have two locations. And so you, you do group guided journeys. Right. So do you do a mix because there are 30 people there? So yes. you have to account for all three types of suggestibles, right? Right, exactly. Oh, fascinating. Yes. And so I'm not worried with my synambulists because they'll take anything I give them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, direct suggestibles, uh, also direct suggestibles, they'll respond to both. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is the emotionals, yes. Mm-hmm. So with the emotionals, that's why when I do group, I do a lot of guided imagery, mm-hmm. you know. And very much in the end, I'll insert some direct suggestions. But once you've already massaged the subconscious to open up and they've already gone on that journey and now they're open to receive the direct suggestions. So this is so being more on the as the emotional suggestible when I do either guided or group experiences. (laughs) I find myself some part of the time going like, can you be quiet? Because I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) I want to take control of it. (laughs) That's my emotional. So how, as the sitter, as the person receiving that, as being more of the emotional type, how can I relax into maybe becoming more of a somnambulist? Is that possible? Um, It's, you could... Uh, you could shift your suggestibility, but okay. that would have to be one-on-one. You know, we would okay. have to work together. And then the more you trust me, the more you, you, you will start to shift and the more easier you'll be able to access it. It's harder to do in groups unless, you know, you're a regular coming in and then you begin to really yeah. build a, a rapport with, with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a big chunk of it is you have to have a rapport with your therapist in order to for your subconscious mind to listen to the suggestions. Right, right. Okay, so only go to my friend's meditation classes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly, if you're overly analytical. Or make more friends. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. And so then, what was my next question? So, okay, I'll let you go on. I had a question, it'll show up again. Um, Well, I I wanted to actually explain, Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about hypnosis, so I wanted to explain exactly how it works Mm -hmm. if we want to pull up the the model of uh, the theory of mind, is what we call. So those of you who are listening uh, uh, on the podcast feed, you can go check it out later if you like. We're putting up a graphic to illuminate what Desi is going to explain to us, the theory of mind. I can also, if you're just listening for your listeners, you can also imagine an iceberg, Mm. right? And uh, it's been often uh, drawn as an example for the theory of mind which mm-hmm. is you know, you've got that little top half on the iceberg which is your conscious mind and then that big chunk underneath is your subconscious mind if you yes. imagine the iceberg and then the water surface is this lid is the barrier between the conscious and subconscious and I'll explain to you now how it's built so when when we're first born if you have a look at the bottom of your iceberg and at the bottom of this diagram is your primitive mind. And that's the one thing that you're born with. So you're born with your fight and flight response, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically the theories that when we were cavemen, if we were hungry and wanted to get out of the cave to hunt for food, if we encountered the saber-toothed tiger and we feel equipped enough and strong enough, we'll fight it 
Mm-hmm. So we're going to fight mode. Therefore, your body activates that whole system, you know, along with it, all the chemicals, the adrenaline to fight. If not, if you feel like you're weak enough and you might get eaten, uh, you will flight. Mm-hmm. So you'll go back to your cave until the danger passes. And nowadays, we still carry this. We still respond that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so now fight has become anxiety. Mm-hmm. And flight is depression. Not that clinical depression, but those yes. down and out days where you're so overwhelmed by life that you just want to sit in your cave. And that, you know, you just. And this also feels like it has some kind of parallel to the emotional and the physical as well, perhaps. Uh, in a way. I you would know, say, well, for me personally, it feels like I would be a bit, because I, I tend no, more to the anxious. Okay. Actually, I don't right. know if I'm ever depressed. I think I'm <laughs> always anxious. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So, so it could be it's two sides response. of the same coin. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so I'm feeling like the over analytical kind of tendency would be more related to, uh, yeah, well, think about it. If you were overly analytical, then mm-hmm. that would be more anxious. If you were overly emotional, then that would be more depressive. Well, emotional is the, the analytical. Oh, right. No, I know. Yeah. I'm talking about the inner experience. Oh, inner emotional yeah. experience. Right, right. But you can be also analyzing in your depressed state, yeah. I guess. Well, they're, so. they're two sides of the same yeah. coin. That's why it's usually called it's anxiety depression disorder a lot of time because right. you flip. Exactly. Yeah. You flip in between both. Yeah. All right. Um, sorry. Go ahead. That's fascinating. But <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, these are the, the, the main. And they also say that we're born with only two fears, fears of, of loud noises and fear of falling. And again, it's the same Ooh. cave theory that, uh, you know, when you're a baby, caves were usually up in, you know, holes up in mountains and stuff. So if the baby rolls over, mm. it's going to fall. And fear of light, loud noises is because um, when the predator comes, you can hear the nails scratching. Wow. Um, where you have that also the screech from the chalkboard. Yes. They say that, you know, how it yeah, sends shivers down your spine is because... Mm-hmm. That's the theory is that it's the predator's nails. Yeah. And that's the memory that your DNA memory of that of, of predators coming. So you're like alert. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's the only thing we're born with as far as that's we know. That's awesome. That's all. Just that. That's all. That's Just all the, the memory plus fear. all the DNA from your ancestors <laughs> and all yeah. the crap you carry. <laughs> all the shit they got up to. <laughs> um, and then you begin to build, as you see on the diagram, um, you begin to build your your positive and negative associations, right? Uh, you begin to build your world of beliefs or whatever mum says, whatever parent, uh, you know, all your parents, whatever teachers say uh, in kindergarten, peers, and you build your associations. So, and to give you a simple example, say you owned uh, a dog mm-hmm. as a child, so you have a very positive association to dogs versus if you got bit by one, you got a very negative yes. association, yeah. right? Um, and then we can get into smoking if your favorite uncle smoked you have a very positive association to smoking if smoking was really looked down upon and created some troubles in your household you look down and it's, you've got a negative association to smoking check and so that's on that's mine <laughs> mine too <laughs> i'm and like it's a scourge on humanity yeah. and my friend's like it's sexy i'm like you're wrong right there you go so <laughs> you're just all, inaccurate you build your you build your subconscious mind it's your world however you were conditioned that's where you build and so as you're building it um and you're creating your world these become your knowns, right? They're your known associations. So mm-hmm. they're familiar, therefore comforting for you. So mm-hmm. whether they're positive or negative in actuality, it does not matter because your subconscious mind locks them in as this is your world. And because the subconscious mind always wants to stay in homeostasis, it mm-hmm. wants to pick one way to be. Again, it's a form of survival, right? I want to build my world. I want to make sure that this is my world. So it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm defending myself. These, right. are, these are my ways. This is where I want to live. And that's why we're so it's so difficult for people to change. Yes. Because we're afraid. It's the fear. It's literally a survival fear. That Changes. If you, if a you stray. Yeah, it's a threat. Mm-hmm. If you stray from that, we're, well, but will I be alive, though? 
you know yeah this is you don't know if you're safe i we haven't yeah we, there's no proof that i'll survive exactly because i've i've survived even if it's negative you know what mm-hmm. i mean this is how we get into patterns why do i keep picking the same asshole after the, you know to date right. well you lived through the asshole right. yeah i don't know if i'll live through a, a you know exactly. a person who treats me better or something right yeah and, and so it takes the it deep be, introspection right <laughs> get and in it there. can be children of abuse as well mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if they if to them love was abuse if you know your family, attention that was yeah. attention mm-hmm. then they that's what that's the patterns they're seeking out i had i had in my experience um Maybe I don't want to say neglect. I don't want to make it that. But in a way, yeah, a neglect. But it, one of my sisters paid a lot of attention to me by way of teasing. Uh-huh. And even still, I love when like my closest friends and my husband tease me. There you go. But yes. it's lovingly. She loved me, but yes. it was teasing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it just makes me feel so known and so comforted. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it's so yes. funny. We're so messed it's, up. Yeah. So it's part of it's It's your world, though. It's yeah. familiar. It's, yeah. Exactly. And so as you build all that, um, it's, it's very it's – people. the kids are like sponges up until the age of eight mm-hmm. or nine. And then, as you see, you put that lid on, right? Mm-hmm. You put the lid and you begin to build your now conscious mind. It's yeah. where your reasoning, logic, analysis, decision-making begin to live. Um, you begin to think for yourself, you know, like ideas like, oh, Santa Claus, you know. Maybe he's, maybe, not, yeah. maybe uh-huh. he's not real. Yeah, that's about that time. Right, exactly. Yeah. When some kids will be like, I wonder if it's the – what would be the more of the type who kind of start maintains the illusion for the sake of their parents? Uh, oh, right. <laughs> Probably like a maybe the emotional one. Yeah, because they're trying to take care of their parents a little bit. Yeah, I could and because be. the emo- the parents they think that their parents are very flighty or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it could, it could be the like, emotional. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think about that. Uh, or the tooth fairy or whatever. Yeah, um, hopefully this is PG thirteen, so kids are not. I'm not breaking anyone's dreams. <laughs> I'm not, not PG thirteen. Oh, no. <laughs> it's real. They're real. It's NC seventeen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so once you build your critical mind, uh, now not and. Not just any thought is going to drop down into your subconscious mind, right? Right. Now that you have your conscious mind, any any thought, and you see how the difference, like this, t- just twelve percent versus that eighty-eight wow. percent underneath. If you think about the iceberg again, like that yeah. big chunk underneath versus the tiny thing you see on top. I'm looking at the diagram here. That's mm-hmm. why I'm, I'm not looking at right. you for a second. Yes, <laughs> and the, the and the diagram. So now, for example, say you've grown into an adult and you want to change a belief, like quit smoking, mm-hmm. and you say, okay, twelve percent of me, by reason and logic, knows that smoking is really bad for my health. Mm-hmm. However, that idea is not just going to drop in and and change our life we have to first it's going to stop at the critical mind at the barrier it's going to check in it's going to go down and check in with your knowns with your associations and be like oh we have a positive association to smoking and 88 percent of me thinks it's good so 12 percent is not going to cut it you know so you're going to keep struggling with it because most of you wants to smoke Mm. So what we do in hypnosis is we take away that critical mind. We just put it asleep. Right. And so anything now you want is going to get dropped down directly into your subconscious mind and uh, begin to shift and change. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it can happen. People often ask, like, how long does it take? How many sessions? Well, if the association is pretty clear, it could take one or two sessions. Mm -hmm. If, however, it's attached to something else, something else and a defense around it. Yeah, yeah. so all the supporting beliefs, it's like peeling an onion. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to know until we start. And my mission is never, like, I want the client to be out quickly like for me I, I judge my success but how quickly can, can they be out of the office like mm. I want to heal them I want to make sure that 
you know, I don't want to keep anyone longer than necessary. Right. But oftentimes people don't understand that, well, sometimes it is. You need to dig deeper mm-hmm. because there's a lot around that belief. Right. Like all the supporting beliefs. And, and we can't just take things away. We have to replace them. Yes. Right? So we have to find ways of replacing them so that, that your mind feels safe, your subconscious is feeling safe. And that's, I think, when we talk about it in uh, terms of, I don't know, meta- I guess the... the just for lack of a better term, like spiritual seeking. And we talk about blocks. I have a block and I want to remove this block mm-hmm. or I want to remove this pattern. The I, the subconscious or the whole consciousness doesn't want to remove anything. Yeah. It wants to add something so that there's no room for the things that are limiting. Mm-hmm. And so I, a lot of times when people talk about I'm blocked and I need to remove it, I'm like, well, let's not, t- let's reframe that. Let's, let's re um, like, change that language because yes. we're not going to get there by telling ourselves we ha- we are not w- we need to lop off parts of ourselves right there's absolutely. a reason why it's there and also we're not going to get to it by fighting with it absolutely yeah so that's that's amazing so go yeah it was, yeah it, like you said like every defense that we create is developed mm-hmm. there for a reason it's right. there to protect you mm-hmm. it was your initial it's how you survive to start with and it's just important to go in and check in for example beliefs from a child from your childhood that were there to protect you you can now go in and check and say okay how does the, my adult self see the world versus mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. because you are constantly subconsciously you're always functioning from that initial belief until you address it first mm-hmm. you're like oh wait a minute that's not I don't think about it that way or perhaps that's not even my belief I think that's my my parents belief I, right. I'm thinking like my mother right now that's not that's not my actual thoughts right oftentimes we're constantly you know we're bombarded by it's my teacher's thought it's somebody so you you know while you, the whole point of growing up and you know it's like taking all that and and adding your beliefs but replacing them yes. replacing with the new it's always like okay this is I, I like to do this exercise where i will write in for myself i'll write down five beliefs that i would like to remove mm-hmm. and but once i've acknowledged them then i'll write five ways to replace that yes what is the new concept now what is the new belief replacing the old and i find a doorway to do that is to just take that one that you want to shift or mm-hmm. remove however you language it and ask, what am I afraid of? Or something along those Absolutely, lines. Absolutely, yes. And the opposite of that, the thing that you're afraid of is the answer, the affirmative of whatever that fear would be. So mm-hmm. if it's, I want to um, I want to become an entrepreneur and not have to work for another company, what am I afraid of? That I won't be able to support myself. Well, what does that mean? I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not talented enough. Or the world is harsh and mm-hmm. I'm disenfranchised. Right. And so find the positive is that how you kind of go about yes, it? Is asking, yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And asking what it means to you, you mm-hmm. know, because everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, your fear can be completely different to my fear. Perhaps I can be afraid that being in the public eye is too much responsibility or having a big firm is too much responsibility, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to handle that or that I don't trust myself with, with finances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what to do with all that money. So then maybe I'll sit down and make a list with, okay, if I had $1 million a month, if I earn $1 million a month, what would I do with it? You know, and be very yeah. specific so that you're, it's always, it's in hypnosis, we create, I help clients also create blueprints, mm-hmm. right? So if you tell me, well, I want to be an, uh, you know, a successful businesswoman, but I just don't know what that looks like. So we'll talk about it. But like, okay, what do you think that looks like? Mm-hmm. And as we talk about it, I'm going to write all that down. And then in hypnosis, I'll feed that mm. to you. And when you're in the state of hypnosis, you know, the mind, there's no difference between reality and fantasy. Mm-hmm. So the way you, you're in hypnosis, 
focus, you're using all your senses, you're fully and completely there in that moment. So your mind is being tricked into believing that it just experienced what it's like to be a successful businesswoman. And didn't die. And didn't die. <laughs> and actually had a beautiful, wonderful experience. Yes. So boom, you have a very positive uh, blueprint now in your mind that you can go from and you can yeah. build on that. You can do it through more sessions or maybe even in your own private work. But now at least you've created the route. Right. And that is what higher, a lot of higher consciousness and, you know, the, the typical, I guess, spirituality talking about conscious envisioning and, mm-hmm. you know, creating the frequency and that way you can align with it. What, what people call the universal laws and the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all of that really experiencing so that you know that it's safe to create it or to allow it even. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And with, the, with the law of attraction, I also uh, I like to say, well, if, same thing, you know, when I started thinking about hypnotherapy, all of a sudden I started seeing hypnotherapists, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. If I ask you to look at the color blue or, you know, maybe you didn't notice it, but all of a sudden you're going to start noticing the color blue everywhere you go because that's all you're thinking of. Did you know that literally, oh gosh, what is the time period? I think that we've only, the color blue has only been in literature for about 300 years, I think it is. And so it begs the question as to whether people actually saw or named blue before then. Oh, interesting. Because it, the color blue didn't exist in literature. And in, so I don't know if 300 is the exact right number, but I think that's what it is. I feel like that's what I remember from it. So it's kind of funny that you <laughs> brought that I up. I wonder, yeah, yeah, because I know that, um, you know, the uh, in the... Thanks, Kirst trying to find it. I don't remember who, where I heard or saw that. 1200s, I think, when they used to draw with lapis lazuli. Okay, uh, so 1200s, so we, oh, okay, yeah, then so it was, was much like longer ago than that. A while ago, yeah. just because, but I wonder but, if they named it. But we're talking about literature in particular. Oh, literature, okay. Yeah, okay, so it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. it is curious as to whether they, yeah, just if they thought of blue or understood blue, as, maybe using lapis lazuli, maybe they thought of it as green. You know what I mean? Like right. maybe that was the name for it still, but okay. perhaps that's yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. that's the questioning around it is as to whether they gave it its own qualification or if it were an aspect of another color that wasn't oh, named yet. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I don't, I know nothing about it. <laughs> like, no, okay. but I think it's fascinating because yeah. like you said, so if you name it, if you, if you start right. to orient to it, you named when it's hypnotherapy got named yeah. in your experience and then it started showing oh, up. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. yes. No, mm-hmm. I agree. We, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Exactly. Whatever you name in your experience, whatever you create a blueprint for, it's, mm-hmm. and whatever you focus on. A blueprint. On, a blueprint. Exactly. <laughs> no pun intended. A blueprint. No pun intended. Uh, it, yeah, it just starts to uh, to come into your life because you start to notice it. That's all. Right, right, right. So focus, where was it? Where focus goes. You tu- I talk about it as tuning. Flows. Yes, exactly. I talk about it as tuning. Mm-hmm. And that's how I help people to experience uh, the different dimensions of our reality. You know, they're all existing here and now. Being able to tune to them, that's what the experience of awakening is, to be able to. Did you find it, Kurt? I found a couple references to it in the 6th century is when it really became popular. The, in literature? <laughs> in literature. Oh, okay. And, so and it's much art. longer than I said. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah but it's probably when the lapis lazuli was quite popular. Okay. Yeah, the lapis lazuli um, looks like came in around uh, 2200 BC in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll look, I'll look that up a little bit. We'll probably put links in the, in the show notes, but I find it fascinating. But yeah, so naming it, it I talk about, like I say, as tuning. So you tune your energy to a frequency mm-hmm. and then you can experience it. And it's that simple. Mm-hmm. But how is it that simple? Because that's the thing people, I think they start to think about how that tuning or the thing we're talking about, we try to use that conscious analytical mind to do that. But exactly. it, that's not... That's not the guy whose job it is. Yes. Well, that's why in hypnosis we go, we bypass. We that. say, "Thank we, you, sir. Have a yes. seat. <laughs> go to sleep. Na na na. Enough from you. Yes. And that's why then all of your hundred 
100% attention and f- is focused just on that, on mm-hmm. what you want. And therefore, you get to experience it fully mm-hmm. and completely and you lock it in, you anchor it into your subconscious mind. Because, yeah, when we're consciously awake and thinking, I mean, we can be daydreaming about one thing, but if you're not 100% in it, mm-hmm. you still have all these thoughts clouding and fogging yeah. it up so you can't focus on it. And then you have that static. So as I'm, I liken it to tuning, or it is mm-hmm. literally tuning, then that's like a radio station that's like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you can kind of hear it. You know mm-hmm. it's sort of there, but you're not fully applying yourself to it because it's the message is not, not clear. clear. Mm-hmm. So yes. So that that is that is how hypnosis works. And you mentioned daily practice. So essentially, what you're doing is a kind of guided and deep probing into it. But we take that, mm-hmm. we do that daily. Is how we really make true shifts yes. in our life, and that would be what we call our meditation practice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So you pick whatever you were, we're working on in hypnosis. You can pick that. You can you can. Some people choose to journal it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll give them journaling homework, uh, sometimes drawing. Um, you know, I love to to make people draw their critical mind mm-hmm. and then sentence stem from when I hear my critical mind, I will silence it by. And then just like writing. Because sometimes when you journal and you just write and write and write, you also bypass mm-hmm. the critical mind. Right. And, you, it, and I encourage people to write anything that's coming up for them. So you can be thinking, oh, pizza, the, any random thought, just write it down, write it down until it finally leads you to the right thing. Because literally, don't judge it. Don't yes. be critical of it. Don't be critical. That's, exactly. Just, if it's pizza, then, and you go, well, pizza's a stupid thing to think about when I'm trying to spiritually heal myself or whatever. Write it all down. <laughs> like, you know, just write it all down <laughs> until even it finally leads you to that. Yeah. And um, the other thing about the, you know, working with the conscious subconscious is when we've opened that door, we've put that critical guy to sleep, mm-hmm. now anything from our subconscious mind can also come to the surface Mm -hmm. so if you have any questions and dilemmas about oh i don't know if i like this or i don't know if i should do this well you know we all Mm -hmm. know right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. deep inside we know it's just it's there it's in the subconscious so when you go in hypnosis we can ask Mm -hmm. and you have the most profound most wise questions and they can be you know sometimes i'll ask people to talk to their guides Mm -hmm. to their wise ones within whatever you want to believe doesn't matter whether you believe that it was actually really you know communicated through your spirit guide who am I to say? Who cares? And who, who cares? Who knows? It, actually, the best, it, the caring part of it is, you know, f- feeling it with your passion and, again, not judging it. Yes. It's all about being able to put that critical mind is supposed to be an assistant. Mm-hmm. He's not supposed to be the director. Yes. 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 He's, he's meant to execute. He's not meant to lead. Yes, absolutely. And that uh, I actually did have a QHHT, Quantum Healing Hypnosis Technique session. And I was just, wow. I forgot complete. I wasn't thinking about this as I told my husband the story last night. I wasn't thinking about the fact that you were coming on today. <laughs> but in my quantum healing hypnosis technique session, one of the things that I wanted to ask, because I had I was going blind last year, <laughs> well, for many years, um, I had uh, really extreme cataracts that like they call them young person cataracts because they're not the aged ones. It's like they, my lenses were very damaged. And for months, I was trying to decide to get the surgery or to allow myself to be the spiritual person that just has a miraculous healing. And I'm like, I don't know which one, because I know that it's possible to, that the spirit actually is what creates the body anyway. Right. And so in my session, I asked that, and the answer came that I wasn't interested in experiencing it through that just purely energetic way. I wanted to experience it through science. I had beliefs that it would clear up more of it and faster and it was a faster road and if I had the experience of let's say spontaneous healing it just didn't align with the work that I wanted to do because it would take up a lot of time because who am I if I had a spontaneous healing and I went to the doctor and they're like we've never seen anything like this this is a phenomenon then I would be an asshole to not share that right (laughs) and I didn't want to do that work and there's more to it there were supporting beliefs that even created the um, the uh, you know 
particular di- not disease but the injury mm-hmm. and of course it had there was stuff my mother has similar injury you know what I mean so there's right. a lot of stuff yeah, that led yeah, up to yeah, it yeah. but being able to own the experience that I wanted to choose which was through science that was like deeply healing I kind of healed up all of those supporting mm-hmm. beliefs that brought me there yeah. And so I remember that. That was pretty interesting. But that's amazing how you knew it, mm-hmm. right? You knew the answer. You came up with it. Mm-hmm. And then once you know, you feel safer to proceed with it. Yes. Go ahead. Because it's aligned, yeah. Right. With who you are. Right. So now let us, how much time do we have? Oh, we're almost out of time. <laughs> Kurt, we're going to go three more hours, okay? <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. Well, okay. Maybe we can touch a bit on the, the uh, sexual emotional and sexual. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, love to ta- I'd love to talk about that because I, I find it helps so much in relationships it's helped me in my personal relationships and everybody I've shared it with Um, Dr. Kapp is the founder of HMI he invented this uh, he came up with this theory he was an MFT so he saw over 35,000 couples wow and he would go to court to just observe behavior Mm. so he came up with this theory about the emotional and physical now we're not talking about suggestibility behavior slash sexuality so how you behave in your relationships Mm -hmm. which kind of translates in your also friendships and all that but mainly in your intimate relationships right yes Yes. so the physical and the emotional let's start with the physical the physical is a child that uh, got a lot of attention from the secondary caregiver now in a in your traditionally structured um, family that would be the father but it can be anybody it can be like you said your sister mm-hmm. or whoever was your secondary who was there to take care of you growing up sometimes if you grew up with a single mother it can be all the mother mm-hmm. you know so if you got attention whether it's positive or negative if the attention was on you you grow up to be a physical okay. what that means is um in the uh, your priorities go like this uh, first comes Sex and relationships. For the physical, sex is very important in the relationship because to them that's attention, that's validation. Mm-hmm. Um, number two for them is uh, friends and family. Mm-hmm. You find the physicals, they tend to have a lot of friends, they're all the family, they love everybody, you know, they're always, you know, just they, they, they nourish and nurture a lot of friendships. Mm-hmm. Almost Usually. Like, that sounds almost like more extroverted even. Yes. Yeah, driving yeah. your energy from without from relationships. Yes, you would find mm-hmm. there are variations sure. and there's a scale like mm-hmm. the test. You have to do a test and then to see like, okay, on the scale, what one are you mm-hmm. uh, and how much, what percentage of a mm-hmm. physical and or an emotional you are. But, you know, talking generally, uh, they tend to be more extroverted. Mm-hmm. And then th- for them, number three is hobbies, things to do for myself. And number four, last, is career, financial stability. That's not to say that they don't like their mm-hmm. career, don't want to be financially stable. No, it's just to say that if something is wrong up top in the relationship or the sex department, everything down the line sort of begins to crumble. Mm-hmm. It's harder for them to focus at work. It's harder for them to focus on their friendships or their hobbies because they're constantly you know, thinking about that. Also, the physical, the biggest fear is rejection. Mm. because you know again all the attention was on them they don't want to be rejected they're terrified we of course everybody fears rejection but yeah physical is particularly prominent Mm -hmm. because to them attention is everything attention yeah rejection is death yes rejection Mm -hmm. is complete death for the uh, for the emotional on the other hand um there was somebody that was sort of left alone most of the time growing up you know mm-hmm. the the secondary wasn't as affectionate cuddly or didn't even pay any attention mm-hmm. the attention uh, was not given so to them i love you means just give me space mm-hmm. you know let me have so they tend to be the ones in the relationship that want a lot of space 
more so. Everybody wants space. Again, mm-hmm. the people say, like, but why? No, but the emotional more so because yeah. to them, they don't even know what it's like to be doted upon and complimented all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, to them, I love you means just leave me be. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for them, number one is uh, financial stability mm-hmm. and their career. Mm-hmm. Number two is hobbies, things I want to do for myself. Number three is friendships, relationships. Uh, and number four, last, is sex. Okay. They don't even relate relationship to sex. Mm-hmm. You know, to sex for them is not that important. That's not to say they don't like sex. It's just not, they don't have to have sex like five times a week. Right. Um, they'll be the ones that, because um, they, they don't need to be validated. Their biggest fear is loss of control of physical body. Mm. So you'll see if you have an emotional partner, you might notice that uh, they don't really, really want to be touched too much or particularly if they're too hot, too sweaty. They're very, you know, the physical body is very sacred for them. So they just, they don't want to be, uh, again, there could be even a physical could not like touch, but from your emotional partner, from your, um, mm-hmm. from your intimate partner, you usually like that as a physical, mm-hmm. whereas emotional, if they're not feeling quite there, if they're not fully hundred percent focused on what they're doing, they don't want to be touched. Uh, right, right. An example is, you know, emotional, physical, go to sit, go to watch a movie. Um, and that's not in the honeymoon part, way past Just honeymoon. Then, yeah. uh-huh. You know, and they're sitting watching a movie of, with your husband of three years. The husband, if he's an emotional, he's going to want to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, even though, you know, if you, the physical partner gets a little, you know, hot and heavy, the emotional will be like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm watching a movie. That's I thought we were watching fun. a movie. You're, yeah, right? <laughs> that's they're, the they're, agreement they're, we had. <laughs> right. And they can be both, you know, ma- yeah. male or female. Mm-hmm. Um, Oftentimes you'll find that uh, there's defenses. What we call is like culturally, say like uh, Latin America, they have, they tend to be a very physical uh, culture. Mm-hmm. So they ha- they're more touchy-feely, they're more sex-oriented. So you might find an emotional with a physical defense, mm-hmm. which is even though they're an emotional on the inside, they still have more tendency to be touchy-feely. They're still mm. a, a bit more sexual than, than your usual emotional versus maybe somebody in uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. Where Japan is a lot more, um, you know, conservative culture, and yeah. their their culture is naturally emotional. They're more more distance, more respect. Everything's mm-hmm. more analytical. Um, so a physical in that will have a, an emotional defense. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's something. It takes them a while to to open up physically, and and maybe you know, in your, if you were to to compare like 100% physical, 100% emotional, 100% physical would be somebody that like dresses flashy and wants to show off and 100% emotional would be somebody like, a, you know, a professor that mm-hmm. is just fully focused on, on their books and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of doesn't care about the outside world and just wants to analyze and, and, and you know, be in their head. Right. Um, and you find, and that's 100%. Right. Nobody's 100%. You know? Right. Everybody has a mixture of That's both. like the, you know, introvert, extrovert model too. Nobody's, right. you'd have to be, you'd be insane if you yeah, were either. Absolutely. Jung yeah. said that I, even, I believe. He came up with the introvert, extrovert model, I believe, right? Who did? Jung, Carl Jung. I, 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 I believe sure if he, so. If he, I don't know. Or maybe he at least, um, I don't know, expanded it. But I, I be, yeah, if, if anybody were 100% introverted or extroverted, they would need to be committed. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, yes. It, it does not, absolutely. Yeah, no, it does yeah. not exist. It yeah. does not exist. But um, why it's important to know that is, especially once you do the test and you'll have the, mm-hmm. the links, you can say there's a whole book about it. Yeah. There's lectures online that we don't have enough time for me to explain everything in detail. But I like to say that because in relationships, you know, the physical part, initially when the relationship starts and the, you're in the honeymoon period, uh, everything's, you know, the emotional is acting physical. They want to have sex all the time. Yeah. They're there for you all the time. Um, but once that kind of fizzles out, then uh, the emotional will settle into their 
behavior into their sexuality and then the physical will start to feel very rejected mm. because all of a sudden it's like well why are we not having sex every day and why are you not telling me how beautiful i am and you know for the emotional that doesn't come quite naturally they don't they're like they, i have a job right and, and for them for the emotional it's yeah. like i'm here therefore yeah. i love you yes yes the physical they want to hear i love you all the time they yeah. want to hear compliments all the time they, mm-hmm. you know and they they will feel so uh, offended mm-hmm. by the fact. And then there's a lot of conflict starts to happen. And then the thing is with the emotional is that the more you push them, the more the emotional doesn't like conflict, mm-hmm. right? They kind of, they don't, they're not that well connected with their physical body. It takes them a little longer to process emotion. Mm. It's funny that they're called emotional, right. but they actually don't process emotion that quickly. They, they need some time in solitude to really assess it. The physical, they very much act on impulse. They're mm-hmm. like, well, this is what I'm feeling. And then, you know, that comes with also being too impulsive sometimes when not analyzing, you know, how you feel and perhaps sometimes offending or jumping to conclusions too fast. With the emotional, they really take a seat back and they tend to be a bit more analytical. And right. Unless, of course, everybody has a boiling point. Yes. I'm sure like yeah, emotionals can explode too as much as physicals can retreat. And, and once again, this is, well, two things about it. I mean, like I took the test and I'm 58-42, which is like mm-hmm. so close. So, so I would draw, right. I'm, I'm relating to both, both aspects yes. and maybe one a little bit more than the other a lot of the time. And you take this particular test, which by the way, however you're listening or watching, there is a link to take this free and really interesting test as you actually take it. And to find out what your percentage is, you relate it to the relationship you, you're in right now, or you can relate it to a previous relationship, right. and in which case you would have, you might get completely different numbers. Right. I, I only took it with my marriage because we've been together 15 years, so I don't remember anything, <laughs> other old right. relationships, you know. You can have a track record of always, you know, dating the opposite, yeah. or sometimes you'll notice when you've dated the same, you mm-hmm. know, like physical and physical when you've dated. Like I said, that they have that physical and physical because they're both all about, like, love, and they're all about, like, you know, sex and wanting to be validated, then once they meet, it's an explosion, you know, like that and then it burns down. Uh, yes, and then it can burn down, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And it's 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 more challenging sometimes to physical with the physical, especially yeah. if they're both high physicals on the scale, you know, because the physical they they tend to control the relationships. In a relationship, the physical usually leads the relationship, meaning mm-hmm. like they'll organize things, they'll be the ones planning, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be the emotional takes more of a backseat. They kind of worry more about their job, their finances, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not again like it could be. You know, he's a stay-at-home dad, but he'll be really focused on doing that, like being a stay-at-home dad and focusing the house and the garden, etc. Yeah. Uh, and the, but, however, the physical will be the one that's more romantic, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know, they would have that more idea of like, okay, let's go here and let's go there, and then to be more spontaneous. Um, this all kind of relates to that book, The Love Languages, too. Yes. Which I don't know a lot about. There is. I've never read it, but I know a little you know, a little bit about that. And it's kind of the same thing. There are five, five love languages yes. they outline, mm-hmm. and you might have two or three of them are really major and mm-hmm. then a few supporting. And, Absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. with, you know, with the, the, the physical, for example, the, the um, touch is huge yes. for them. Yeah. You know, for a physical, they really want to be touched. Compliments are huge for them. Uh, the emotional, they're more about services. Mm-hmm. The emotionals, they provide services for yeah. you. They really like that. Gift giving, I think, goes kind of both ways, depending. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the emotional, they are, they're always, the fact that they're there for you means that they love you. Right. You know, yeah. it's, and you, it's good to understand the partners and then kind of work together mm-hmm. because, you know, then each has to lean a bit. You know? It's sort of in one of the in that book, the Four Agreements. Take nothing personally. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yes. If you become defensive or hurt or rejected, in it's really about how you you know understanding you know understand what your partner 
how they express themselves and understand what your needs are mm-hmm. and then you know just move in that that frequency how it you know it, and if there is tension that's an opportunity yes, to expand to exactly mm-hmm. expand and talk about it and say you know the emotional maybe the emotional needs to make some changes to say like okay well how do you need me to warm you up for us to, for example to have more sex mm-hmm. or you know maybe you can you can get me flowers once a week or mm-hmm. i would love for you to like every morning compliment me but then the emotional is like but if i tell you if i have to tell you then it doesn't count (laughs) right right yeah the emotional i tapped into my emotional right sexual is like you're supposed to uh, and if you don't know then it's not it's not supposed to be important to me it's like all this kind of yes yes, emotional is very analytical exactly the higher you are on the emotional scale the more um yeah the more you'll find that and it and it's funny because you would generally attract the opposite partner and i actually i think that i i perhaps Perhaps a, a common thing might be attracting the opposite partner and then in some of the close friendships, the same. So mm-hmm. you can kind of have some yes. of that enhancing of the things, Absolutely. you know, that you're similar in. Yes. yes. You find that uh, you in friendships, you, you can have the same. You yeah. can have an emotional would have more emotionals, a physical would have more yes. physicals. Yes. So you can enhance that and explore it. Mm-hmm. And then then there's more a deeper intimacy with actually fitting your puzzle pieces together. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know how oh, it fits. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's funny that we're talking about sex and penetration because mm-hmm. the way to very quickly depict, especially with with men, a physical and emotional, a male physical will, for example, ejaculate a few times within the intercourse. So, oh, that's exhausting. Yes, right. Wow. So they will like... They can but isn't there a physical mechanism that makes the, like a physical talent that would support that or well, not? Well, or? It could. Absolutely yeah. could, of okay. course. It, now, if, if they're not capable of doing so, okay. no. Okay. But usually, a, if they because they want more of that attention. Yeah. And you'll find that even, you know, they say, oh, it changes with age. But no, you'll find that even with age, Age, they will st- the physical male will still I've heard want that. that especially yes. if they're on the higher scale physical right they will still be very sexually active and they will be you know uh, they will ejaculate several times within within like the night that's you know that is really interesting because you always hear that oh your hormones decrease and then men lose their sex drive and I'm like but I have we know many stories of men who are in their 50s 60s 70s and you're like no one can stop that guy right right and it's he's probably high physical yeah exactly right? okay he, we are seriously way wants- over time <laughs> And the emotional is the opposite. They'll ejaculate once and they're done. Okay. That's it. Well, I think we'll end this episode (laughs) with ejaculation. ejaculation. (laughs) Sounds like a lot enlightened AF, doesn't it, Kurt? (laughs) By the way, I should mention that. I do have another podcast with a partner, Aiden Demarest, uh, and it's called Enlightened AF. And, uh, you know, you guys can find that also on YouTube and iTunes. (laughs) You should come on sometime. It's really fun. (laughs) It's super fun. Um, Well, tell everyone how the work that you're doing, how they can get in touch with you. Of course, we have Desi's links in our... in the show notes as well right well so um you can you can come to then meditation to mm-hmm. do a group hypnosis uh, you can also find me on instagram hypnosis symbiosis uh my email is symbiosis hypnosis at gmail.com uh and uh yeah that's my that's and my you really do one-on-one sessions and i do well. one-on-one sessions remotely absolutely. as well and so remotely yes i uh-huh. do online sessions via zoom or skype yes and uh, I can do uh, in-house as okay, well super. in the office. Okay, well, th- this has been amazing, seriously. <laughs> I'm sorry to keep you long. I'm no, I love it. I can, we can just talk. And, yeah. and if, also, if you're interested, people are interested more in the emotional and, and physical, you will probably provide the link. Yes, the link is in the show description, however, whenever you are listening or watching this. Yes. So Perfect. go check that out and uh, get Dr. Kappa's book as well. And I think and check out the HMI college if that if all of this just like you know turned yeah. you on big time you can do free classes yeah. check it out for yourself see how you align with it 
and definitely follow Desi. And you know, you're just so brilliant, and oh, this is so <laughs> much fun. I'm so so much yeah, fun. <laughs> so, time just flew. Yeah. Well, with that, I want to thank you all for joining again. Do please check out my website, trishacarcharm.com. Go to Mystic Arts Academy under the Work with Me section section of my website, so that you can come to my multidimensional spirit guides series of classes. We are having those um, in a couple of weeks from now, and they're the next couple of months, as well as my mediumship and intuitive development class and many, many other classes on demand and live and local. And I will see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are.